0: You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your host, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Klobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay.
1: Hey, Cliff.
0: Hey, Bubs, How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. I understand you've been talking to a witness that you have lined up?
1: Yeah, I've been talking to this kid. He had a series of events happen over the summer of 2017 in Southern Indiana, he had numerous sightings, and he actually made some observations that have been noted in the past, but very rarely recorded. So that's what I was most excited about.
0: Oh, I'm excited about it being from Southern Indiana. That area is super squatchy.
1: Yeah, I remember when we went there, I didn't have anything happen personally, but. We talked to great witnesses. The habitat was happening. I mean, I was surprised we didn't hear more from there. I'm surprised we don't hear more from Indiana in general.
0: Uh, I know earlier in the year, I got a hold of a juvenile Sasquatch footprint cast from Indiana. And, you know, there's quite a few sightings, but you really got to put your ear to the ground to hear about them. Everybody thinks Pacific Northwest, Pacific Northwest. And Indiana is, frankly, overlooked considering how good a habitat it is.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Well, he's right here so you can hear him from yourself. All right, man. Let's pipe him in. Andre. Hey, Andre.
0: How you doing, man? My name is Cliff.
1: Hey, Cliff. How you doing? I'm doing all right. All right. Well, I heard your story once already, Andre and Cliff. I gave him a few of the details, and he was uh, just like me, very fascinated in the fact that you got to observe these things multiple times at close distance in just a short amount of time, and you saw a pretty unique feeding behavior. So, uh, anyways, why don't you start us from the beginning? Like, try to paint a picture. Someone that's never seen this place, you know, distances, um, lighting conditions, how close you were, th- those sort of yeah. things. And take us from the
2: beginning. All right. Well, first, I'll probably start you up where I was at then, where I was living at the time. Um, I lived in a small town in upper Southern Indiana called Jasonville. Uh, where I lived for really was on the outside of town, um, on the very outskirts there by the fire, uh, fireworks store. And you take a left on the road. Uh, but where I live was in a blue uh, trailer type style house. Um, and it was long ways. So instead of being back and forth like north south, it was a west east type of feel. Um, and it was there by a cornfield. To the right would be where you would look. Um, if you were behind it, you could look to the right and there's a cornfield. And then to your left, right beside it, uh, right beside the driveway, would have been the uh, woods at the time. Um, the woods were about. 15 to 16 feet um away from the house it was you know fairly close um and then from the woods if you went all the way back that led to like a pond and a creek and a bunch of other stuff and where the time i called the police and when i saw it um because i was trying to get in the house it was the wood pot would be in the backyard to the far back side on the right side of the yard um first time i ever saw it I never actually saw it. I just, uh, we heard it. Then we were actually playing airsoft. And I was sitting in a ghillie suit in a bush with my friend. And we've been sitting there for probably 45 minutes to an hour. And we heard it coming through, crashing through everything on the sill line. And I thought it was my brother and our um, friends, you know, on their team. And I told my friend, I was like, hey, Let's go up over, and we'll flank them, and you know, we'll get a better advantage on, on top of this other hill. And we never did see it, or them. we just kept hearing it crashing out in front of us through, like, sticks and everything. And I was like, well, you know, and back behind where we were at, they're trying to get behind us. So we started walking up back there, and it kept leading out further and further. You know, like, every time we get closer, it might get further up ahead. And I was like, you know, what are they doing? You know, like, do they hear us? Do they know we're coming? Um, so, you know, I just thought it was them trying to get, like, a better advantage on us. Um, this went on to it led out to the cornfield, and you hear it running through the cornfield. and I was like, You know, what are they doing out there? And we got up there, and there's a bunch of them, uh, corn stalks all broke down, you know, where it'd been running through. And then when the parts in the muddy area, you could see a footprint, and it was, I would say, 12, 13 inches long, about four, five, six inches, you know, and width. And I was like, You know, what are they doing out here, you know, barefooted, you know, and I thought, You know, that's weird. And I made the joke to my friend. I was like, yeah, it's Bigfoot, you know. And that was a joke, you know, at the time. I was, just, you know, messing around. You know, I'd always believed in Bigfoot, but never seen it, you know. And I was just like, you know, Bigfoot. And we were joking around. And we head back to the house after about going back to the woods and looking around for about another hour for them just seeing if they come out. We go back to the house. And I asked my brother, you know, because they were already inside. I was like, you know, what are you guys doing? You know, we thought to over find airsoft stuff. And they're like, it was too hot. You know, we went in about five minutes after. We're going out because we just couldn't find you guys, and we got sick and tired of looking. And it was really hot out, and I was like, So, you guys didn't go through the cornfield or anything? And they're like, No. And so, me and my friend, you know, we were like, Me and Caleb were like, Well, you know, we found a footprint out there. You know, we all started joking around, this and around, you know, and kind of forgot about it that night. And it was probably, I don't know, 1 30 in the morning, and we were all just tired, you know, bored. And I was like, Hey, you know, it's got in the woods and look around so you so can see that footprint. I went out there. I brought some fire starter. You know, it was, it was, it was a good time. I'd go out there, mess around out the woods, have a little fire and hang out. And uh, that's the first time you know we actually saw it. It was up there on top of a hill, and it was shaking a tree, about four or five foot tall. And you know, it wasn't really big tree. It was just something they could grab a hold of and shake. And it was out there in front of us on top of the hill, and you could see the silhouette of it out there in front of us. You know, and we're like, you know what, you know what? Is it? it was really scary, you know, because it was something. That you don't see, you know, a mile into the woods. It was, you know, definitely something you don't think about. And um, my first reaction, you know, was, you know, that, you know, that can't be. Um, I actually, you know, was thinking it was probably one of my neighbors because I had never lived a little bit more down the road. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know, he's he's really old, you know, and he doesn't come out, you know, other than both season. And I was like, what would he be doing out here? This deep in the woods, this late night. When he felt you know when he has work and I was like there's no way and as it got up you could see you know it was it was bigger than I was and this is when I was playing football it was bigger in size it was bigger in height um and when it got up it was walking to our left and it got on our side and, you know and we could see the silhouette in the moonlight you know you could just see like the the shape and you know it got us worried you know and when it finally got behind us a little bit when it came back around to our Right side of it walking around us in a big figure for the circle. We ran straight back towards the cornfield and we ran up from the cornfield back up to my house, which would have been about a mile and on a quarter mile towards the cornfield and a mile back up to the actual house. And that was the first time I actually ever saw it. And the whole time, you know, you could just, my friend said he could hear it coming after us. I never heard it coming after us, but he said, you know, he could hear it and hear it running up behind us but so that was the first time
0: something uh something that you didn't mention uh you did mention that it was hot so does that
2: does that tell me that it was summer it was summertime yes it would have been uh the first week in the summer yeah I'm sorry
0: and what year was that did you have any idea at all or approximately this
2: would have been 2017 2000, uh either 2017 yeah 2017 because I moved here in 2018 so yeah that would have been 2017 two years ago Oh, wow. So it's actually very recent then. The first time I actually experienced it was airsoft. And then the following week was the very first time we actually saw it. The first night we actually ever heard anything was the same night that I saw the footprint. That was when we were out there and we heard the knocks and everything like that. And that's when we walked back up through the woods and just kept hearing knocks in the distance. So, Andre, um, that
0: was the beginning of all of this, but that wasn't the last thing that happened to you. What what, what was the next thing that occurred to you or uh,
2: occurred in that area? So, after that, that kind of started it. And my friends went home from the, you know the weekend over summer vacation. and they went and were telling everyone, you know at school, you know what would happen, you know what they heard, and everything like that. Um, and they were telling everyone, you know what you know they were hearing. And a lot of my friends contacted me over Facebook and like that want' to come out. And they would come out and I'd have groups of people come out and we'd hear you know knocks and whatever. I never saw anything with a big group, though. Um, I think that was mostly because it was a bunch of people, and I think it just deterred them away. But the next time I ever actually saw one was when I was out alone, and that was just me who went out in the daytime, and I brought my dog, and we were out there. And I had him in my backpack, and he just started barking, and his hair stood up and and started freaking out. And I just thought, you know, more than likely, it was probably like a deer or something like that he saw. And in the distance in front of me and behind some brush, you could see the silhouette of it. It got up, and you could just, for about a second, it got up, and it was back into the bush, and it didn't look at me. It didn't stop. It was just gone. And that was the first actual, you know, like, daytime. um, You know, I could say that for sure. You know, there's no way that was a human time I actually saw them. And from there, that led the everyday thing where, Every night I had people over and every night, you know, kids were telling kids at school, um, you know, what about they were seeing. And then some people come over and everyone was seeing that, you know, they were hearing stuff. They were seeing rocks getting tossed from the creek and stuff like that. And from there, you know, I just started doing a lot of these nights where I'd go out um, with my friend Matthew. And we go out and the best we ever saw was the night whenever we saw the adult, the mother and the little one um on that creek but most of the nights were just your classic wood knocks and you could you know get rocks tossed at you that was your most you know your average night was that uh, you'd hear them in the distance walking but you never actually see anything but the night that we actually got them um to get close to us and we could actually see them in the moonlight uh clear you know that it was not people um was the night that me and him sat on top of a top of a divot I went down to a creek that led to the um, pond, and on the other side there was another divot. And behind that divot, if you walk down it, there's a uh, kind of like a cave opening. We used to think that's maybe where they stayed throughout the day, but um, we used to leave every day at about 11:30 p.m. And because that would, because every day at like one oh six, the 1:30, that's when then it always happened. You know, you could always see them. Um, They were always doing something for about 35 minutes or 45. But we were sitting on top of this divot, and it was probably just hitting one o'clock. And the first one came over the hill, and this was, I'm guessing, it was the male of the group because the other one had the little one with it. And when he came up over, you could see him. He stopped and saw us and just stood there, stared at us for a couple seconds, walked over towards the first divot, and found the higher part of the hill. Um, which was about five feet above where the pond would have been not the pond, the creek and underneath a pine tree. And then we sat there watching them, you know, we're like, Oh my God, you know, we, Hey, you're he right there. You know, it was crazy. Um, we could just see him sitting there staring at us from um, grabbing the pine leaves and just eating them and chewing on them, getting them in the water. And a few minutes later passed by five minutes and the female came up with a little one on it. Uh, around her arms right now, which would be on her like back area, like her shoulders, holding around her with his arm around her. And it was on her side, and when they came over, she went down to the creek, and when she sat down there, you could see her grabbing the uh, freshwater clams, not clams, but like mussels, call them cow mussels around here, or mud mussels, because they're in a lot of the cow uh, ponds. And she was grabbing them, and she'd have a rock about the size of your fist, and she was smacking them and eating them. And the whole time she would watch us, and just kind of, you know, there was like the sense, you know, like the feeling of like, you know, I see you, you just, you know, stay where you're at, you know, don't get. It was, it was an eerie feeling, kind of like one that we knew, like they saw us, we saw them, and it was, we don't get any closer than that because if we would have, I'm, I'm pretty sure that would have been, you know, a pretty bad decision, you know, or, but they sat there. And he, the one on top of the hill that was about five feet above her, uh, squatted down, chewing on the pine leaves. You know, he never took his eyes off of us. He constantly was, you know, focused on us while she was eating the mussels and giving them to the little one. Like, she'd eat one or two, you know. And then, you know, it would get down and grab one and eat it beside her. But he never, the little one never got farther than a foot away from her. He was glued to her constantly. Either on her arm or on her back, or sitting right beside her, eating with her, and that went on for about 15, 20 minutes of them just staring at us, kind of like a stalemate, you know, of curiosity watching. And then she got up, went back over the hill line behind the male, uh, the male, and then he followed up from behind her, and that was the last time we saw him that night.
1: Uh, how are they feeding on the muscles? Just like picking them up and eating them? You no, know, they're cracking with the rocks. They
2: chewed one pile of water, put it on the actual rock and then smack it with another rock and then grab the guts and see what that from and eat it
0: and Andre uh, had, um, what would be your best guess on how far away you are from you were from them at the time?
2: My best guess is fifteen yards at the most
0: fifteen yards at the most so like so fifty feet yeah that- forty or fifty feet huh Wow.
1: How big of rocks were they using? Like, Was it like one big rock they'd have on their lap and then hit it with a small one with their
2: hand? Or what, how they, how were they doing that? They would lay it on a flat rock, which is my guess. You know, like a flat rock or something like that or hard surface. And she would get a rock about the size of my fist and she would smack it a couple of times and grab whatever is goo out of it and eat it. When she fed the baby, would she scoop the goo out or did she just hand the shell with the goo in it to the baby? The shell was, like, shattered. It would just go down there and grab itself, and she would just pick it up while crouching around and eat it when she was eating them. That's it. And what was was the male eating? He was eating the pine needles from the pine trees. He would snap off a pine needle, probably about the width, a pine branch, about the width of your pinky, not very big. It would be probably, you know, six, seven-inch little twig. He'd dip it in the water, and he'd get all the branches in his mouth, and little needles, and he'd chew on it and get it like a good little wad i guess and then he'd grab another
1: one and do it again would he strip the branch or eat the branch with the needles to me it looked like he was stripping it or chewing on the needles themselves what would be like how how rapidly was he eating was he eating fast or was it like how many times like per minute do you think
2: he it was he'd do that? slow it was kind of it was more of like a slow, passive thing kind of like i think like chewing gum would be for us um, he was just you know kind of like he grab one dip it chew on it for a couple of minutes you know and then you know, grab another one and do it again. Chew on it, and then they got up and were gone. And that was about lasted about how long? You think that was at most fifteen, twenty minutes?
1: Would the baby ever come between you and the mother, or to keep the mother between you and it? The mother was
2: it was to its side, so it was the mother would be kind of like in front of us, I guess, then because since it was to its side. But the, the like I said, the little one was never ever more than a foot away from her.
1: Did the, did the little ones seem conscious of
2: you or, or wary of you guys at all? They were all aware. I think it was more of like a curiosity thing from both groups. Um, I think that after like they constantly seeing us going out there and watching them and seeing them, I think it was just more or less now. It's kind of like a, you know, what are these guys, you know, doing out here? Because, you know, before me, no one was out there besides Aaron deer season for bow hunting. And, you know, that wasn't very long so it was. I think it was for them something new, you know. And I think after a while they kind of gained our trust, enough where they realized, you know, we weren't going to hurt them. And it was kind of like a, a curiosity on both points of, hey, you know, what do these guys do not here? And then us kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, they're, you know, right there. Um, Andre, uh,
0: um, take a stab at your estimate on how tall each individual was, starting with the male, then female, and then the juvenile.
2: Um, I'm going to guess your male. Um, just from the first time I saw him, uh, he's probably right around your seven and a half, seven, you know, foot tall range. And your female one, she was about a head shorter than him about his shoulder height. So I'm guessing six and three, four, female right around the seven, just a little bit less than him. And the little one, it was no higher than three and a half foot tall. It was short. It was about the size of a toddler. Uh, okay. A little bit all bigger right. than like your average toddler. So I'd say probably your five year old or six year old.
0: Interesting. And, uh, but yet it was still kind of crawling all over its mother at
2: that point, right? Yeah. It was still able to move around like a like walk, but it wasn't like running around, you know, doing its own thing. It was close enough, you know, to its mother to where it wasn't like getting out of arm's reach.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. I thought um, I interpreted it as kind of hanging onto its mother, but it was actually on the ground. Like orbiting its mother, I guess.
2: Whenever it first came over, when it first came over, it was around her arm and her chest area, holding onto her while she walked. Oh. Whenever yeah. they got down to the crouch, it got down and stepped down and was sitting right there beside her. She didn't hold it, it just held onto her? Yeah, it like held his arm around like her, um, like how a kid holds around your, like your neck while they're hanging on your left side, something like that, with their arms on your neck. That's how it's holding onto her while she walked. Would she pick it up or just climb on her? it would climb like whenever they got up, they grabbed a the hold of her and I called up on her back, His arms on her neck on his, on her back. And they got them wrong.
0: Was that the last time that you saw them?
2: No. Um, the last time I saw them was the following day. And that was whenever I was packing up the U-Haul and me and Matthew were out there and we'd been talking about what we saw the last night before. And he has asthma. So when we were trying to go the couch into the U-Haul, um, he was like, Hey, you know, I need to take a break, you know, I'm about that, you know, asthma out. And I was like, okay, you know, it's cool. Sit down, you know, and he sat on the couch and it wasn't maybe three seconds. I looked down to go ahead and tie my shoe. And when I was going down to tie my shoe, he says, and he jumps up off the couch. And when I looked to my left, it was maybe 10 feet away. It got up. You could see the red color fur. it got up, turned around. And we walked right back into the woods. Last time I ever saw it. Middle of the day, broad daylight, 15 feet away, right by my driveway, just watching us. And if you didn't notice? He said he needed to take a break. We No. If it wasn't for him just looking at it by coincidence when he had to take a break, we never would have noticed it even there. I don't know how long it was watching us. I don't know how long it was there before that. It might have just got there, you know? But didn't see it until after he sat down and was like, look. And it was right there and got up, turned around, and was gone.
0: Would you guess that was the male or the female or a different individual?
2: I'm going to guess that was more than likely the male. I think that there was a family of three there. And I think that the reason, because I was thinking about this the other day after me and him got done talking on the phone. And we're talking about, you know, why do we think they were sticking around? I think that one of the biggest reasons why they were sticking around is because there was a cornfield. There was a pond. There was deer there. There was constantly food there. And I think they were just raising the little one. I think that that's where they picked they want to stick around and I think that's what they did. You guys found a big cave too, you said right? You thought uh, were... Yeah, there's a little cave region and there's also some like old abandoned buildings like on those woods. Like um there's a can like an old, old camper out there with like no door on it or anything like that. That we found out there one day. There's there's all kinds of crazy things, you know, they could be out staying in and living out and and uh, how long? Do
1: you, how long were you guys stopping paintball fights before that anything happened? Like, was it there immediately when you started playing out there, or yet were you there for a couple of months playing before anything happened?
2: It was a couple like weeks, you know, and we never noticed anything for the first couple of weeks, and until that first day when I was out there with my ghillie suit and sniper rifle, just listening with my friend, just waiting, you know, for them to come towards us, and that's when we heard it trekking through. And it was, you know, so loud, you know, it sounded like it was a group of kids, you know. That's why we even thought it was anything other than a deer or something like that. Because you could hear it stomping through and breaking bushes and getting over the hill. And I was like, man, they're right there. Let's go over this other hill and flank them and hit them from the top.
0: Huh. This is really interesting to me because literally a, few, uh, a month ago, I was talking to a witness who had encounters in Owen Putnam State Forest. Um, and I'm sure you know where that is. It's just 20 oh. miles to the east of where you were. Um, and, uh, the encounter he had resulted in a juvenile footprint that's only four inches long. Um, and it kind of makes one wonder uh-huh. like about, you know, about the population density in the area. Maybe these are the same animals, who knows? Um, it would be very interesting to find out. Of course, there's no way to know, but there's an outside chance that I have a footprint cast of your juvenile right now.
2: That's crazy. I don't know like how their growth rate is, you know, that was two years, but two year old child isn't got that big of a foot. So that's very possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the footprint, um, I obtained, uh, uh the, that the guy actually gave me, it was, um, in April of 2018. So not that, that long ago. It, okay. I don't know. Interesting. Um, but that's good
2: news. So it would have been like a month after i seen it, uh, yeah,
0: 2018 really. So, uh, this is this past, this past year. So it was, uh, April 18th of 2018 is when uh, my footprint was obtained. Um, so that's about a year or a little less than a year from yours, but nonetheless, that's really good news for the Bigfoots, I would say, because even if it's not the same individual, that means there's at least two juveniles in that, you know, 50 mile area. So that's
2: fantastic for them, for their population. And I still haven't told you about the time when I called the police on them yet. I can, I can tell you that one also real quick. I'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, That was – this was the same night before we saw it in the morning and the same night we saw them late at night whenever we saw the baby. We were out in the house. It was probably four in the morning, I want to say. We were watching a movie, and it was actually a horror movie. that had the intense on top of it, you know. (laughs) Um, The exact movie, if you want to know, it was actually The Salem Witch Trials, and we were out there watching it in the living room. And it got over, you know. We're all me and my brother and my friends, you know. We're just all, you know, uh, you know, scary, you know, just messing around, you know, having a good time. And my security light turned on, and I was like, "Whoa, you know, he's here." And I looked out, um, my door knob started, you know, rattling, trying to open. It. it was locked. And I looked out the window and you could see it, and it freaked me out. It was, it was actually probably one of the scariest moments out of this whole entire experience because. You know, I was like, you know, if this thing gets inside, what's it going to do? You know, because I was worried that maybe we had made them angry from, you know, getting that close to it. And it was like, you know, not okay. And it made me worried that it knew, you know, like that's where I was at. That house was where I was at. And that was, you know, it was really kind of a scary moment. Um, I called the police and I told them my exact words where there's someone trying to get into my house. And if someone did not get out there that I had a gun and I was actually ready to shoot them. And they were like, you know, calm down, you know, don't, don't do that, you know. We are going to send someone out there. It was maybe two minutes and they had an officer over. And as the lights were coming in, that's when the door knob stopped shaking. And it ran back through my backyard. And I ran outside and I told the cop. And I told him, I was like, I don't know who or what it was trying to get inside my house. And I was like, but there's something trying to get inside. And he got mad, you know, because he thought we were just, you know, messing around, you know, wasting his time at 4 in the morning, you know. And he was like, what are you guys doing? He's like, you know, why are you out this late? He's like, why are you up this late? He's like, and why is your, you know, your mother not here? And I'm like, well, she's at the other house where I live now, getting it all right. And I was like, you know, my job was to pack up the U-Haul and everything like that, you know, how and he's like, well, I'm going to call your mother if there's no one in this yard because this is ridiculous if you're calling me this late for nothing. we we'll go back to the back of the yard, and he shines his light. Over on where I saw it, I saw it run off into. And behind the wood pile, which is still standing to this day, the wood pile is still there. I checked in the earth. It, it's still there. Um, it was, You could see its head poking up. And he shined his light on it for about, I don't want to say like 15, 20 seconds, turned it off. He looked at me, my friend, and was probably, I don't know, you could see it in his eyes, he was scared. And it was kind of like a worried look, which kind of, I think, kind of funny to this day, still, so, you know, because we were out there searching for it but um he thought looked at us and was like it's just a bear and ran over to his car and left told us he's gonna <laughs> call dnr how was he able to see it from the porch light uh no from his flashlight his police light he had you know like the cops have like their pedicle light or whatever right and what did you see when he shined it you said he saw he it, it on his day um it was you could see the head um I couldn't make out any facial features because my eyesight isn't great over long distances. But you could just see the shape and the fur and the color of the brown behind the woodpile, and it's, you know, staring at us. How tall is the
1: woodpile, and how far away?
2: Um, the woodpile is about, I think it's 75 feet away, and it would have been about three and a half feet tall. So I'm my guess is it was crouched down, just peeking over, you know, to see what was going on.
1: And what about eyeshadow
2: so, After eyeshot? he turned his eye off. Um, I never saw any eyeshine myself. I don't know if that's because of the brightness of the light and how lit up it was, or if they just don't have eyeshine in their eyes at all. But I personally never saw any eyeshine. Could
1: it possibly been the back of the head you were seeing?
2: Um, it could have been the back of the head, but I just don't know why I'd been like looking
1: away at us, you know? Right. So at seventy-five feet, he shined his light on. How long? How long did he look at it before he he looked away? Or who looked away first, the Bigfoot
2: or the cop? Um, the cop turned off his light after he looked at it for about fifteen to twenty seconds and then just looked at us and said it was a bear and then walked over to his car and got out of there and left.
0: Had you ever spoken to any of your neighbors about things in the woods or strange things that they'd seen or anything like that?
2: Um, the guy who actually lived at the house said that he had seen a couple of things. Um, whenever we before we moved in there. He's deceased now, but he said that he'd seen a few things in the woods. He actually Warned me and my brother about going out and playing in the woods because he had seen things and he said that you know it wasn't safe to be out there. <laughs> but you know I was out in the woods every day of my life and never saw anything, so I didn't think he was. You know I, I I was 16, thought I knew everything, you know, and I was just like he doesn't know what he's talking about. It was probably just a deer. Now I've been out in the woods every day of my life, you know, and I'm an avid hunter and an avid fisherman, you know, and I'd never seen anything like that before. The only time I ever have seen anything like that is when I lived in that house. What I'm surprised
1: about is there was no skid marks in your guys' pants being that close to Bigfoot. You never felt scared?
2: Um, the first time, like I said, I was terrified the first time. The first time I actually saw it, and it was walking behind us, and it was like 45 feet away, and just like, you could only see it in the silhouette, the dark, and the moon hitting it, just it you know, occasionally. That, that was probably the scariest moment of it all. But I think that showed the addiction of I've got to find out what this is. And when they started, you know, constantly giving us like wood knocks and the little woo-woo you know was like that and the rocks being tossed and, you know, me going out there alone and seeing it, you know, in the distance a little bit of, you know, like the movement of the fur and then it'd be gone, you know, that's I think what really just started feeling the addiction of, you know, like, like I said, I told you, you know, I thought that was going to be the place where I could prove uh, because it was real. I actually thought that because of all the activity and the day to day, you know, noises and day to day rock tossing and all my friends hearing it and seeing rocket tossed and me seeing it on my own and, you know, me and Matthew on top of the hill seeing it, you know, I actually did think that I was going to be able to be the first in a single They proved, you know, this was a real deal thing.
0: They are in Indiana and there's quite a few in Southern Indiana too. So don't give up hope yet. They may not be on your property, but there's probably some not far away. You know what to look for. I mean, you're you're the best bet we got. So hey, uh, make yeah. sure you keep us keep us uh, posted on anything new and squatchy that comes your way, man. We definitely want to hear about it.
2: Yeah, and um, Bob was talking about me going out to that property sometime. Uh, whenever you guys want to do it, you know, just get a hold of me, text me, let me know.
0: Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we had a chance to speak with you. You had some great observations. You got um, some. Uh, you got. You got to see him eat. You got to see him interact in a social situation. Um, you got to see them more than once. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things here that you shared with us. So thank you so much.
2: Hey, this has been a pleasure for me too. You know, it was, it was like I said, an honor to finally have someone take my stories seriously, and not look at me like I was crazy.
1: Well, that was uh for a youngster, you know, just being a teenager, he was real straightforward and pretty descriptive. And I thought, uh, I thought uh, a good witness. He had some unique observations and I enjoyed him.
0: Oh yeah. He had a great observation. I mean, he saw these things on multiple occasions. He probably saw different ones on multiple occasions. And that one time where he got to see all three at the same time, that's cool. You don't get
1: that a lot. I'd spoken to him previously and I asked him, I said, well, what, you know, did you go find the tracks during the day? Did you go try to tra- track it back to their lair? And he said, no, I knew that was a line I didn't want to cross. Like we had a kind of a certain vibe of trust going and I knew not to push it. And and he was smart because I would have been the dummy back there the next day, trying to find where they were sleeping, bumming them out. And, you know, probably getting some kind of adversarial relationship going, whereas he just kind of kept it, you know, a pretty mature decision he made.
0: You know, when you think of all the witnesses that have had these interactions over time, these long-term witnesses, they all have one message to give Bigfooters like us. It's like live and let live.
1: Just the fact that Larry Bird known as the Hick from French Lick tells you that Southern Indiana has got to have some countryside that they're calling the guy a Hick.
2: <laughs>
0: right. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, that was a great uh, witness. Thanks so much for bringing him to the show, Bubs.
1: Yeah, we got some other great witnesses lined up. People I've been talking to over the years that, Never had an outlet for them because they weren't on the show, and that's what's so great. Because we went to these awesome areas for bigfooting all over the country with finding bigfoot, and that was, and uh, that's what's going to be so great about this podcast is that there were so many people we couldn't follow up with. You know, even the witnesses we did follow up with, we only had what five, six, seven minutes of airtime with them, each one at the most. At the most. Yeah. And so I mean, I'm looking forward to following up with some of those people, and then other people we met that weren't on camera or didn't want to be or couldn't be because of you know filming work schedules, whatever. We got those other people to follow up in those same areas. I mean, I can't wait. We're going to have some good shows coming up.
0: Yeah. Plus all the stuff that's, that's happening, you know, all the time, basically.
1: All right, clip. Well, next week we'll get another one going. All right, man. I'll talk to you then. Good Good squatting, my friend.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes.